Welcome to Jazz and Soul Theater Podcast Radio. I hope you're ready for the radio podcast production of Jazzy Blues All Up in My Soul. Coming soon to a podcast and stage near you. But right now, I invite you to conversations with the actors and actresses that speak life into the Jazzy Blues script. Get your ears ready for conversations. Get a peek inside the lives of these very inspirational individuals that have taken the time to speak with Ms. Flows on location at Hiawatha Art Space. Let's talk soon to Jazzy Soul Theater during this episode of Conversations. You are tuning into the Jazzy Soul Theater Radio Podcast production of Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul. Hello. My name is Ms. Flows. I am a writer, a director, producer, actress, and spoken word artist. Welcome, listeners. You are amongst a select few invited to listen to the upcoming dinner theater production of Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul. At this point in time, I am extremely emotional. Like, I'm nervous, I'm honored, excited, and proud. This is really happening. It's really gone from paper to audio. I actually got other people to act out the parts that were in my head. When I first began this nostalgic journey, the journey of writing this production, I was only attempting to bring focus to the evolution of jazz. But it wasn't long before I realized that there was no way to complete that task without learning about the multitude of African-American entertainers. In addition to that, I learned many things on the subject of the Harlem Renaissance. I soon realized that my journey for research had changed the direction of my production. As unbelievable as it was, I fell in love with the musical journey of Ella Fitzgerald merely through photographic research. Ella has been photographed with everybody. Well, maybe not everybody, but everybody in jazz within her lifetime. So I started thinking, I wonder what it would have been like to have an all-star jam at a place owned by Ella Fitzgerald, Ella's place, at After Hours Hotspot. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, imagination took the lead. Welcome to a production that encompasses Black history, jazz, spoken word, musical performance, and theater. Welcome to the Jazzy Blues All Up In My Soul. Now before we begin with the first act, we're gonna have conversations with the cast. So prepare yourself to hear from some of Seattle's finest. I'll be talking with Felicia Loud, Butch Harrison, J.C. Cage, Trey Holiday, Rick Dupree, Naomi Watson, Elijah Maweed, Levitra Hood, AKA L, I hope you enjoyed this production of Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul. More importantly, I hope you enjoyed the conversation.
I had the opportunity to sit and talk with Six Deep the Messenger, also known as Elijah Moeed. Elijah will portray the character of Duke Ellington. While sitting with Elijah, I asked a few questions prior to the taping of his lines. I asked Elijah, first of all, what he thought of the script, how much knowledge he had with regard to the person, Duke Ellington. And I also asked if he was enjoying the task of portraying Duke Ellington on this podcast. And finally, we talked with Elijah about what he's currently working on with relation to the arts. This is a conversation with Elijah Moeed, a.k.a. Six Deep the Messenger. I am the performance artist known as Six Deep the Messenger. I've been uh, actively performing poetry and event hosting for about 25 years now. Uh, my first poem that was heard outside of family and friends was at the age of 12. So I've been involved in the arts ever since. Uh, I've done plays. I've done a few commercials way back when. Uh, I am an event host. I also have an album out called Revolutionary Rhythms, The Move Forward available on Spotify, Apple Music, and a few other venues. You Google me, you can find out where those things are available. Uh, it is streaming on Spotify as well. Uh, and Tidal, um, I'm working on a five-piece EP right now that should be out hopefully uh, by the end of the summer. It's in the uh, mastering stage right now. Um, yeah, so I've been doing this. This is the love of my life. Uh, and I am finally beginning to turn it into a business. Want to give a shout out to Miss Flows and the Jazzy Blues All Up in My Soul podcast. Check it out. While my actual knowledge of Duke Ellington is limited, I do know that he was a great jazz pianist and composer and band leader. Um, I've listened to a number of his songs uh, on YouTube. Um, what I did was I kind of searched YouTube to kind of look at him and get a feel for his mannerisms and uh, a couple interviews that he had so I could hopefully try to have the sound of his voice in my mind as I uh, tried to portray him. Um, but my knowledge of him unfortunately is very limited. I do know that he was uh, a wonderful musician. I imagine he was a pretty cool brother back in that day. enjoy portraying this character um, but that goes without saying as a performance artist I am always intrigued to step outside of my own box 
uh, and, and uh, explore different aspects of the arts. Um, it also helps me to expand my talents and gives me something added to put on my resume. So yes, I of course enjoyed uh, doing this. While I was reading the script, I kind of let it take me back to that era at a lounge, sitting back, sipping, dressed to the nines, listening to the vibe. I actually can see this as a play or even a movie script. I'm looking forward to hearing the final uh, production. I think it's going to be beautiful. portrays the character of Ma Rainey, just a hot mess all up and down the screen. Kiss my bluesy black bottom. So we're going to talk with Naomi to see what she knows about Ma Rainey, what she's doing around town herself, and how she feels about the script, Jazzy Blues All Up In My Soul. Ms. Naomi, please introduce yourself and say hello to our podcast listeners. My name is Naomi Watson. Howdy, people out there in listening land. What did you think, one, about the script itself, two, about the character of Ma Rainey? I was definitely, I was so excited because Miss Flozen has been talking to me about this script for probably more than a year. And the more she talked about it, the enthusiasm just keeps building and I'm excited. I, I think it's a wonderful script, very well written and the performance, amazing. Where were you born and raised, and where did you come here from to Seattle? I was born in uh, the Bronx, New York. Uh, my mother's uh, side of the family lived there. My dad was from Tennessee, good old homeboy. Uh, I don't know how they found each other, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> to San Diego, California, okay. lived there for about eight years. From there, I moved here, got a divorce, and moved here to Seattle. So now, when you, when you were in San Diego, I heard through the grapevine that you had a hit record. Is that where it was at, in San Diego, or was that Arizona? It was San Diego. Oh, it was San Diego. Yes. And what was the name of that? Uh, Get Ready. It was a gospel. Back in those days, I was still swinging on the gospel train. Okay. Okay, so it was a gospel too. Okay, yeah. get ready. Get ready. By Naomi Watson, y'all. Look it up. <laughs> I'm only the vocalist. It was written by Danny Graham. And it was written by them. Danny Graham, if you didn't hear that. Right. All right. So, Naomi, we're going to uh, wrap up here by asking you 
What do you think of Ma Rainey's character and do you have any background knowledge of the person, Ma Rainey? Did you have any background knowledge prior to this script? Just a very small background information. I believe she was one of the, she was a lesbian. And you know, back in the day, that kind of wasn't her. It was done, but it was really closeted. Um, I am really honored to play her. I'm not gay, but she has an attitude like me. If you saw me in my home setting, how I am around my children. Okay. Yeah, you. you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm already real. All right. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that wraps up our interview with Miss Conversation with Miss Felicia Loud. Miss Flo is here on location at Hiawatha Art Space. Hello, Felicia. Hello. Felicia has been cast for the role of Billie Holiday, aka Lady Day. Have you had an opportunity to read the script in its entirety, Felicia? Yes, I have. Thank you very much. What did you think of the script? But more importantly, what did you think of your character, knowing that she is not the actual Billie Holiday? How hard was it to prepare for the role? Well, I think that the script itself was um, very well done, you know, uh, very well thought out. And um, the pieces for um, the performers to speak is very um, energized and very bubbly and um, also deals with what the time period was and it just puts you in the time frame. And so um, I enjoyed that. The uh, role for uh, Billie Holiday itself for me was difficult because it's uh, a woman who is not Billie Holiday, but her name and her references and her going in and out of who she believes she is and being um, uh, drunk and homeless. And um, uh, I, I don't know, I would say schizophrenic at times. But that to me as an actress, um, putting a um, framework into who this character is because she does talk to Ella who's not there. And um, so those type of things, delusional illusions as, as it may be. So that's my take. How long have you been involved in community theater? Um, how long have I been involved in community theater? Uh, I would say um, off and on, um, probably 20 years off and on. Is this your first dinner theater project? No, this is not my first dinner theater product project. Um, I've done uh, dinner theater with um, Khabibi Monet for Dark Divas. Um, and I'm trying to remember if there's any other... Um, Yes, and um, Freehold, um, um, Freehold um, Studios, here in, located here in Seattle, that um, for their fundraiser, so uh, participated in that. There, there may be more, but. My I also had the opportunity to interview 
the young man who is portraying the role of groundskeeper, who's going to be like your co-star in the production, and he mentioned a project called Black Stacks. Can you give us your take on what Black Stacks is and what service it provides to the youth in the hip-hop community? Um, okay, yes, of course. Uh, Black Stacks, you know, I'm quite sure that my partner filled up a lot of what Black Stacks is all about, you know, um, we started with this, uh, not the idea, but the realization that um, black men, black women, black children, um, our elders, um, our, our past, they have a voice continuously and on stage directly in hip hop because Black Stacks is predominantly a hip hop duo there is not that representations um, that, that, that are seen right now in, 2000s, in the 2000s. You will see a female vocalist as a featured artist, um, um, and which is great. And you will see a female vocalist as, a, um, as the hook, which is great. But as we combined it, we wanted to make sure that um, people would see a black woman and a black male on stage and black children. It's very important for them to understand balance. That's our concept, is that, you know, the balance is what they receive, and they also receive a message that talks about them in the present, that talks about how we feel about them, that talks about social um, events that don't necessarily have to deal with um, what's going on, because we're not pigeonholed into stating what is popular, because popular has a has it has a longevity that ends quickly but what's relevant um is always going to be relevant hunger is always going to be relevant um uh, in this country color is always going to be relevant um the pride in oneself is always going to be relevant the happiness of um growing up and some of your your stories are always relevant there's nothing new under the sun so um the importance is that young people see themselves on stage and we don't have to be disrespectful to any other culture or any other race but we want black children to see black people on stage that talk about something that they can relate to that they can dance to um and so um, we, we thought that that was very important and we also wanted to um give respect back to stacks records because of the grittiness and the rawness that they had and their activism when it came down to owning their rights to their music. It's very important for the business side to be represented as well as the musical talent that's being viewed. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a conversation with a woman who is commonly referred to as Seattle's Billie Holiday, Miss Felicia Loud of Black Stacks. As they say, say Stacks. Yo, 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 what up, y'all? This is J.C. Cage from the Almighty Black Stacks. And I want to give a huge shout-out to the Jazzy Blues All Up In My Soul podcast. Y'all tune in and turn it up. J.C. Cage has been cast for the role of the groundskeeper in the production of Jazzy Blues All Up In My Soul. 
He'll be going back and forth in Act 1 with Billie Holiday. You will not see him in Act 2. What did you think of the script and of your character? Well, you know, the beautiful thing about scripts and working with other artists, creators, is that things change. And as things change, you get a better understanding of what it is that you're actually trying to portray in these type of roles. And so, yes, I've read the script. A little bit of it has changed. But I think the script is really solid. And the reason I say solid is because of the characters that are used. Um, to reference them in these times, to give them their flowers in these times, is very important. And it's also important that those that are unaware of who these people are get a real good glimpse into their world a little bit just to see why they were so loved, why they were so mimicked, why they were so important to music, to art, to culture, to community, and to the world. And so um, it's just a pleasure to be a part of something like this and an honor to be a part of something like this where we honor those that have gone before us and the shoulders we stand on. As far as my character goes, you know, uh, it's pretty close to who I am. Uh, it's pretty close to how I would deal with a legend like that. Um, and so, you know, to be able to have a, a situation or a scene or be in the environment with the world famous Billie Holiday is a pleasure and an honor, and I'm honored to have just a small role at the ground. I want to know, how long have you been involved in community theater, if at all, because I really don't know your whole background. And I'd also like to know what other ways you're connected in the arts and community. Well, that's a great question because I've written a play probably 20 years ago um, that I'm just still developing through time and watching and learning um, and just really building it to be something solid. So as far as acting, though, uh, I, I still don't consider myself a professional in that uh, realm. I leave that to y'all. Y'all do such a great job of that. So I would say, you know, as a writer, uh, I've been around working on my pieces and my poetry and, you know, my creative thoughts for 20 years. But as an actor, as someone that's actually on stage and, you know, uh, delivering these characters, I would say comfortably I've been doing it for probably the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, what ways am I connected to the arts and the community? Uh, as far as an artist, I've been involved in hip-hop since 19... 84. Uh, professionally, I put my first record out in 1986. So you do the math. Uh, I don't want people, you know, <laughs> asking me no questions. I look the age I'm talking about, I was participating. But um, I've been involved in that, you know, aspect of the arts. Uh, I've been involved in developing festivals for the arts. I've been involved in being a teaching artist for the arts. I've been involved in uh, the cares and concerns of the community and speak through that, through the music. So as far as the arts and the community go, to me, it's interconnected. Um, as an artist, I think the most important thing you can do is speak for those that have no voice. 
uh, the voice of the voiceless, I think it's important to speak for those that are going through the trials and tribulations that most people are benefiting off of. I think it's important that you honor uh, the community when thinking about what you're creating and who it will trigger, who it will represent, and how you do that in a way that is respectful, a way that is um, really just believable and authentic with the connection that you have with the people and the experiences you share through your music. So I'm a teaching artist, I'm a community activist, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a friend, I'm a partner, and uh, I like to say that I am just blessed to be a part of the arts community um, here in Seattle and beyond. Me too. Uh-oh. Tell me something about the 65 Ah, oh, listen to this, see? I don't know what grapevines you heard it through. <laughs> I know what vehicle it came in, but I don't know what grapevines you heard it through. But you know, it's, it's a blessing. Um, we have been blessed by all of those who have put an ear to our music, that support our music, that share our music, that have playlisted our music, the DJs that stun our music and continue to spin our music. And so because of that, uh, I got a message from a music director, DJ, artist down in Portland by the name of Bryn Boy. And he said, Jace, you need to check out your Spotify plays. And I said, you know, that's not really something I'm into. I think music is, you know, a relationship. I think it's between the artist and whoever's listening to it. And so I, I just think that's more important. But I looked at the numbers and between the two um, latest projects, just on Spotify alone, we're up to 65,000 streams. Thank you, everyone. To view a conversation with JC Cage, Grounds People for Jazzy Blues, All of My Soul. My name is Liz Bowles, podcast listeners. We thank you. Miss Flo's here on location at Hiawatha Art Space with Mr. Rick Dupree. Hey. Hey, good to be here. How's everyone doing? All right. So Rick has been cast for the role of Cab Calloway. How familiar are you with Cab Calloway and his history, and how do you like his particular character in this script? Well, first off, I'm a huge Cab Calloway fan. I just love his style. Um, you know, his, his he just... There's just something about him. And, you know, one of the reasons I think I gravitate toward Cap Calloway is that my dad was a, a uh, tap dancer. And we got some pictures of my dad in kind of like the suit with the tails and everything. And so it, it just it brings back some of the memories. My dad's gifts kind of did skip me. I can't sing or dance. <laughs> Which leads me to um, when I told my wife that you had cast me for it. She looked at me and, and kind of had this look on her face. And then she said, well, is she mistaking you for 
for Sam Townsend? And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cold. That is just, there ain't no support, no no faith in me, what have you. So I said, you have a little faith. I'm going to show you. And then this morning, I said, yeah, I'm going to you know, do, do the interview. And she's like, now, now remind me, what role are you going to play? And I looked at her like, you know, I didn't even want to answer. I said, Cap, Cap, oh, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't want to hear it now. Okay. I got a daughter who can sing and dance. She's going to help me through it. I can How long have you been involved in community theater, or are you involved at all in community theater? Yeah, I am. Uh, God, it was probably, I want to say 10, 12 years ago or so. I can't remember exactly, but I, you know, I got this urge to, to, to do theater. And, and my daughter, as I said, she, she went to Howard University. I mean, she's the performer in, in the family, but you know, I've always kind of performed. And then my mom, which my daughter didn't know, um, she played Antigone in, in one of the plays, and we had this picture of her in a play, a church play, years ago. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I got, so I actually called Isaiah Anderson Jr. And I said, hey man, do you know of any like adult theater classes or whatever? And he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. And this was again, at least, at least 10, 12 years ago. And uh, I said, well, let me know. Anyway, long story short, he called me, he said, hey man, not a class, but he said, I, I'm going to be directing this play and, um, I think you'd be good for this part. He said, Umeme, everybody knows Umeme dying. He's got rest. So my brother, uh, and yeah. And, uh, Isaiah said, well, Umeme is casting, but he's in another play. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do both. And could you come and, and do this? I said, man, I, this was on, I think a uh, Monday. And I said, man, I would love to. I said, however, I was playing basketball. Yeah, it was in 2005 because okay. I was playing basketball and I ruptured my Achilles on the Saturday. So I was in crutches, get ready to go to surgery. <laughs> and he said, okay, well, you know. Anyway, calls me about a month later and uh, says, hey, yeah, it's not going to work out with Umeme. He's just too busy with the other role. Can you do it? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be on crutches. What have you? Anyway, came and uh, went through all the rehearsal. I was about a month behind. I had to get off book. Uh, and and I was on crutches almost the whole time, and we opened up Thanksgiving weekend, and and uh, I was I was finally off the crutches, and I was limping a little bit, but I played an older older dude. Mr. Cooper is in a uh, the Chris Jordan play, uh, Sadie's Kitchen, and so that was that was my start, and uh, just just fell in love. I love it because you, you bring out the characters and some of the special things that uh, they have to offer. So I have enjoyed it and looking forward to this uh, project. Wonderful. Yeah. This project you're working on with regard to the Black Panthers. So we're going to close the interview with having you tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I'm excited. My son, who's a filmmaker, Marcus Dupree and I, I have partnered with Aaron and Elmer Dixon. They're the co-founders of the Seattle chapter of the Black Panther Party. And uh, we are producing a documentary on the Seattle chapter. Uh, Seattle has so many significant things that they did. Number one, Seattle was the first chapter established outside of California. Uh, within days of the free breakfast program starting in Oakland, it started here in Seattle. Uh, the Carolyn Downs a Family Medical Center is the only uh, free medical clinic that the Panthers started that is still in operation today. Uh, and Seattle was the longest running. They were the last chapter to close when uh, 
when the Black Panther Party basically kind of kind of uh, dissolved. And so uh, it, it's just a story. There's an incredible story. We just got back the first week of August. We were down in uh, the Bay Area for a week filming. Uh, we interviewed Elaine Brown, who if you, if you don't know, you should know who she is. But right. if, but if you don't know, uh, the first woman when uh, Huey P. Newton uh, went into exile, she was the first woman to lead the Black Panther Party and did some significant things. And at 78, she's still as fiery <laughs> as wow. ever, you know. And um, yeah, but it was just it was beautiful because as you go uh, throughout the city of Oakland, there are murals and different things all around the city that, that are honoring and celebrating the Black Panthers. And and both Aaron and Elmer talked about, man, it's just it, it's such a wonderful feeling to see that we're being recognized what we did. And, and what's interesting is that um, I don't think most of us, myself included, understand what it takes when someone dedicates their life to a cause that's bigger than themselves. And that's what all of these men and women did. They were sold out for making um, conditions, making life better for black people, you know, and for all people, but black people in particular. And and even though the Black Panther Party is not in existence today as it was, you know, back in the in, when it started back in the, in the mid 60s and went through up to uh, the early 80s. Um, these individuals are still working to better the community for black people. And, and as Elaine Brown said, she said, you know, this is this is our life. See, 24 seven. This is what we're about. Uh, and she said, I'm 50 plus years into this and this is who I am. And they've made that commitment. So we're excited to tell the story. Long story short, it should uh, we plan to finish uh, filming in by October and then uh, we'll go into editing and post-production and look for this to uh, be entered into film festivals in the spring of 2022. So we are excited uh, to celebrate and just tell the story of the Seattle chapter of Black Panther. That's an amazing project. I want to thank you and your son for that. This has been a conversation with Rick Dupree. for the part of Louis Armstrong. So, do you know a lot about the history of your character, Louis? Yeah, I know quite a bit about Louis. Did you know Louis started off with a clarinet? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just curious, not everybody knows about that character. You're the first person that said yes, in fact, when yeah, I asked yeah. if they knew that character. So- well, you also played pretty good piano too. That I didn't know. Yeah, All played. I knew was the trumpet and the clarinet. I did not know he did the piano. Yeah, he played pretty good piano. Too. That means I need to do some more research. And his first wife was his pianist. Is that right? Yeah. That's why it didn't work, ain't it? Yeah, that's why it didn't work. Because <laughs> she left him for the drummer. No way. Yeah, he did. And uh, you know what Louis said? What? Good drummer. <laughs> All right, well, I did not know that. That's history. Yeah. So can you please tell us a little bit about your... Uh, Vocal, vocal stylings and how long you've been doing that. Also, how long you've been blowing the horn. Oh, you want to know now. Now I want to know. <laughs> now I'm gonna, I want you to put the business out there now. All right. Well, I could tell you stories, but I don't think that tape is that long. So <laughs> I'll give Bye. you the shortest version. I started blowing horn when I was 10. I ain't telling you how old I am, but I'm old. Okay. But uh, I started singing when 
probably when I was seven or eight. Wow. You know, uh, my parents were very gifted. Okay. Got to give them some prop props because mom played three instruments very well: accordion, piano, and cello. Okay. And she mastered all three. Father was an opera singer. Wow. And he had a huge voice. In his prime, he could drown out a pipe organ with no microphone. Wow. So that's a big voice. So between the two of them, I got what I got. And mom sang too, by the way. But nevertheless, I've been singing since I was about seven years old. Okay. And, uh, and uh, bringing back the first public performance when I was seven years old with moms and my sister. And, Singing home, home on the range when the deer and the antelope play. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sing that in church when I was yeah. little. Seldom is heard in a discouraging word and a counsel, cloudy all day. Or clouds, the skies are not cloudy all day. Anyway, I don't forgot the words of that song. But anyway, that's what I started singing. Okay. Uh, publicly. And I've been singing privately, of course. I sing in the shower from time to time. And, oh, you know, yeah. Where I got my best audience. <laughs> And, and we all get down in the shower. And the we best all acoustics, the best. yeah. But uh, otherwise, uh, piano I just picked up. So okay. that's how that happened. Biggest influence in vocals, my father, with the opera, back, opera background. Woody Woodhouse hmm. for the jazz background and how to attack a jazz song. Only Woody could do it like he did. But okay. I picked up a lot from him. And a brother named Jimmy Williams for the soul and the funk. Okay. Uh, Jimmy had a gospel feel, sang beautifully. Um, passed recently, did 20 years with the Tramps, okay. um, and he did most of his career um, uh, with uh, his group called uh, United Image, which changed their name to Double Exposure, and they, they have some records out. Um, Jimmy's from Philly, and growing up, he was the lead singer in a kid band we had. It also had George Howard in it. Mm. So it was a hell of a band and a hell of an experience going up in Philly with all that kind of talent. And, right. and people that, that were big, I didn't even know were around, like um, uh, lived right around the corner from me. Uh, very popular sax player, Hank Mobley, mm. who uh, was infamous for playing with everybody, uh, just like Coltrane, who right. was also from Philadelphia too. But uh, then I got more stories about Philadelphia that we ain't got time for. You ain't got enough tape for. <laughs> and I don't want to bore you with all my boyhood experiences, you know, uh, music experiences. Because the rest of them would be, but only the music experiences you know, were pretty, pretty uh, special for me. So. Yeah, of course. Music, music is life. Absolutely. But, uh, but anyway, that's that's how long I've been singing and playing and living um, I think the, the music has been my life since day one so couldn't help it you know born into it that's beautiful yeah. so are you performing with any bands right now that you'd like to mention <clears throat> I still got my group good company which I've had for since night I don't want to count the years, so I'll just say since '86. Okay, since '86. That's been put together back in '86. Took a break from when I hit the road with Force Major, and when I came back off the road with them, 
I put you back together again. And that was in 91. Okay. So the company has been together since 1991, uh, but no breaks. Okay. And we continue to perform around town, here and there, different venues, private private affairs, so on and so forth. Uh, last engagement was at Giuseppe's down in Tacoma, very nice place. Hopefully okay. we'll get back in there too. Um, nevertheless, uh, it's a four-piece group with myself, guitar, bass, and drums. Uh, drummers usually are either Brian Kirk or Steve Banks. Mm. And um, on bass is James Clark. Uh, formerly with uh, Wadey Urban was my main bass player. It's my, James Clark has been filling the spot here lately. And Michael Leeds on guitar. And occasionally Herman Brown on guitar. Okay. Michael Leeds, ex-radio host Michael Leeds? Correct. He okay. was also uh, the program director at, at that radio station. Uh, 98.9. Right. Call on the record. Smooth jazz, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was a DJ and program director there. Mike, Michael's got a really good history. Um, a hell of a musician. Because he also was the uh, music director and band leader on Almost Live when it was on TV. I remember Almost Live. Back in uh, the 80s. And uh, Michael had that gig too. Okay. And, uh, and it has a really nice background, great background. And he's from the East Coast like me. Okay. So he's out of uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I didn't know uh, that. So recently I, <coughs> I joined forces with uh, the old school fellas. And we're, we're in the process of uh, uh, putting a show together. It's a pretty big band. So okay. it's a, we're putting ourselves out there as a show band. So we're... We're coordinating arrangements to present ourselves as a show, okay. uh, a, a show band, because we're too big to be a band anyway. It's it's a lot of guys in this band, gotcha. um, and that's the old school fellows. A good bunch of musicians though. Um, nice diversity in the group. So, looking forward to a very nice sound, a big sound for sure. Okay, there's a lot of guys in there. So other than Jazzy Blues All Up In My Soul, any upcoming stage productions for you? No. No. Unless okay. Miss Monet puts back the, uh, brings back the, uh, what was that? Uh, the Dark, Dark Divas. Divas. The Dark Divas show. Yeah. Which is always fun to do. It is. And I'm stuck. I've enjoyed it. And I've been playing Louis again. <laughs> once again. Which is going to so, kill me. Yeah, my... that did inspire me to ask <clears throat> you to be Louis. But there was this one story. <laughs> we are not staying for a story <laughs> that I'm not going to tell thank you <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we are going to wrap up our interview and begin our recording session as which gets into the character of Louie we thank you for listening in the building getting some blues tonight <laughs> we will talk to trey today about past experiences she's had with regard to theater in addition to that we'll find out what she's got in the works right now we want to know what trey thought one of the script and two of her character 
Say hi to our audience. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy to be here uh, with Ms. Flows and happy to be uh, really here to be talking about this role because I, I truly love Sarah Vaughn. All right. So what history do you have on Sarah? Do you have like a lot of history on Sarah? You know a lot about her or just from the music? Really the music side. I feel like, um, you know, doing Dark Divas back in the day really helped me to understand a lot of the kind of more personal side. But I feel like um, the music really spoke for itself and just the, the eloquent voice. I love how she's known as the divine one right here in uh, Jazz All Up In My Soul. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dark Divas is a production written by Khabibi Monet and Demean Hall, put on by New Black Arts West Theater. Um, Trey Holiday had several roles um, <laughs> in Dark Divas over the years, as have I, which is how we met. So that is why I thought of Trey for Sarah. Absolutely. And you've done such a great job on this script, honestly. I think, wow, you know, thank you. honestly, just great work. Okay, that was my next question, so we solved that one. <laughs> So, uh, Trey, can you tell us, like, what you're doing, not just theater-wise, but what are you doing right now artistically for the community, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, you know, media is a part of my background, and so um, as a, a TV show host and producer for Converge Media, I'm taking that to, you know, really bringing stories that are important to our community to another level. Um, we're really building up a platform around what community media can look like. And then as my, my role um, at King County Equity now, a uh, uh, 501c4 here in the city of Seattle, I'm the media director there. So focusing on building our team up to start producing some creative content around some of the advocacy work that we're doing, really highlighting and elevating some of the nonprofits um, throughout King County and really beyond, but showcasing a model of what kind of black liberation can look like in advocacy and policy work. It's a mouthful. Yeah. I had no idea you were doing that much, but yeah, kudos <laughs> to you. Thank you. It's good to have people like you in the community so Thank that you. we can preserve the community. Yeah. You know, um, I was just thinking about that the other day. I did a performance for a COVID pop-up and the thought crossed my mind 30 years from now, will my grandson still be having the same fight and these same fears? Will people still be against the, uh, the vaccination like what will be going on in 30 years I wonder if anybody's even thought that far will there be 30 years yeah I think it's so important because that's really at the the center of our work when we're talking about what does it look like to to have equity we haven't really seen it here in this country mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about building that up and looking at eliminating uh, the wealth divide and elevating the material conditions of black people mm -hmm. what does that really look like right and so that's where the imagination is at right now and also moving into execution phase right as we look at you know billion dollar anti-gentrification fund so that we can own the land where we're building mm -hmm. um, and really providing steps for our community to really see what equity looks like okay okay well, to see the youth out here and to see that it matters to the youth that our longevity matters is inspiring wow it really is so we thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you, that means a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a conversation with Miss Josephine Howell. 
This is Miss Flows here on location at Hiawatha Art Space. Hello, Josephine. Can you give a shout out to our podcast listeners? Hello, first and foremost, Miss Flows, and hello to each and every ear that is listening to this wonderful podcast. You are welcome to join in. Just sit back, relax, take in what we got for you. Loving that. So, Miss Josephine has been cast for the role of Bessie Smith in the production of Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul. Josephine, have you had an opportunity to read the script in its entirety? Yes, I actually have. Okay, what did you think of the script? And what did you think of your character? Of course, I love Bessie Smith. I am grateful for the opportunity to portray such a fierce personality. And uh, the script, it caught me. It kept me. Okay. And I enjoy reliving moments from these great, great people. From our history. They are amazing. I think they were very instrumental in changing the way music is today. You did a great job. Thank you me. kept it honest and true to who they were. Loving that. So, please tell our listeners that are not familiar with who Miss Josephine Howell is as far as an actress. Because lots of people know you as a vocalist. Hmm. Very few know you as an actress. So, can you let us know in what other ways are you connected with the arts and the community, but also how long have you been involved in community theater? So I've been involved with community theater for many years. It started not here in Washington state, but it started in my home state, Illinois, Chicago to be Shout exact. out to Shawtown. Shawtown. <laughs> uh, I have been performing on stage in front of live audiences since I was a teenager. I kept going. I've been in numerous plays. I'm not going to even take up all the time to uh, name them all. I've been on small community theaters. I've been on big houses. I've been uh, across the world. And I just love what I do. What are your current artistic activities? So, uh, currently, I am the CEO of Josephine Howe Productions, and I am uh, also tapping in with um, the community and with leaders in our community that are making laws and making decisions about where our money goes and trying to uh, make sure that we are not missed. We are not forgotten because we are in their households every day, True. helping them make it through. And we need some help too. True, so. True. speak truth. Yes. So now you know what you didn't know about Miss Josephine Howell. Other than Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul, are you currently working on any other theater projects or maybe any CDs or anything like that you got going? I'm always working on someone else's CD. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm, I promised myself that in 2022, I would do more sitting down and delivering to you what is inside of me uh, in, a, in a fuller spectrum because I do it on stage when I'm live because it just comes up. You know what's in you got to come out of you. Right. But uh, I uh, am doing Sounds of the Sound 4, 
hopefully that it will be open to everyone um, and we just would ask for um, people to be careful and think about others, protect yourself, wear masks, keep COVID correct, John. That's, that's it, that's it. We want to keep living. Mm -hmm. So that being said, um, as the bonus daughter, I just want to add it's about time when she started working on her own CD project. I mean, it's actually 10 years past about time, but we're not going to go there because then we're naming people. I have songs. I just don't put them in. Right. We just can't hear them. So kind of like having a song. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a conversation with Miss Josephine Howard. is always in the wrong place at the wrong time trying to peddle her cigarettes. Explain the title El Centro. And then can you tell us what it is you do, where they can hear El Centro, where they can get the experience. <laughs> uh, I chuckled a little at the explanation for the name, so I'll start there. So I was born La Vitra which means for love of life in French and Latin origin. Okay. And no one could pronounce it. So unfortunately I didn't get a Kim or a Tasha or a Nicole. I didn't get that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which would have made life a whole heck of a lot easier. But so I started going by L um, and it started as L Boogie, but everyone knows Lauren Hill has that. So uh, L turned into just L, E-L-L-E. And I was like, uh, there's a magazine. They gotta kind of make this different. So eccentric is a spinoff of eccentric because everything that I do is loud, bold, crazy, uh, attire, hair, everything. Okay. So that is kind of where that came from. Okay. And that is my music name, music stage tag, eccentric. Um, E-L-L-E-X-E-N-T-R-I-C. So to make life more complicated, I thought I was picking something easy and I did it. <laughs> okay. uh, it is on Spotify, so I have music out there. I did a project maybe about five years ago now. Um, I have a single that I did last year during the pandemic. What's the name of the single? Best Life. Best Life. And so I dropped that because I wanted that to come out so that we could kind of experience coming out of pandemic world and getting back into being creative. Okay. Originally, I'm a frontline worker, so I didn't have time to create during pandemic world. Okay. I was still working in okay. the middle of chaos. So I wanted to keep my artistic side and, um, and still be able to create. Okay. While everyone else was comfortably writing. <laughs> I was... AKA, AKA Cigarette Girl. AKA Exclusively L. Wow, and I then know, there's right? another AKA, this woman who says she wants to make things simple, I know, right? is also Exclusively L. Now, Exclusively L will be wowing you throughout the podcast, second act. <laughs> 
she's in a second act she agitates, aggravates, but through it all, she pushes the sale of her cigarettes. I'm a hustler, baby. This has been a conversation with the is a conversation with Alvin L.A. Horn. My name is Ms. Flows and I am on location here at Hiawatha Art Space. Alvin, can you please give our podcast listeners a shout? Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. So Alvin has been cast for the role of N in the production of Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul. In is the narrator. You will see in throughout the entire script. First, I wanna ask if you had an opportunity to read through your lines in their entirety and what you think of the script. Immediately while I'm reading the script, I'm taken back to another time, another place where I can see I can visualize, I can hear, and that's very important. So it, it helped me get into how I wanted to narrate and how I believe the audience will see, hear, and believe. to this production and if so can you tell us about the productions I have been a part of several uh, community projects it has been some time but my earliest beginnings started at Langston Hughes Theater here in Seattle as a child and over the years and then being able to travel to other places I became part of other productions one namely in New Jersey that eventually went to the well, they call it the Broadway, the off-Broadway plays. What current artistic activities are you taking part in, if any? Or what projects might you be working on currently, other than the podcast for Jazzy Blues, All Up In My Soul? Uh, multitasking at the moment, uh, being an author, uh, I constantly am writing daily and involve myself in script writing and I do voiceovers whenever I'm invited to do such things. I've been a part of this back in TV time when they did local commercials, but now they farm those things out. But I used to do that. I used to work at Como doing a lot of voiceovers back in the day. Now, my main thing is trying to be a part of the literary world, and from there, I do my spoken word, which I'm talking to the host, and she knows all about that. That I do. Um, I actually met you in that arena. What I want to know, though, is currently, um, he's being very modest, 
Apparently, Alvin has lots of literary works out there, and I just like a couple of titles that my listeners could possibly pick up. And where are they can Well, since you asked, I'll stop being modest. My first work went to national notoriety, and I won the African American Best Author of the Awards going back to 2005 with my book called Brushstrokes actually sold the movie rights to that and it's been in and out of production and hopefully it'll get back into production as times have changed. Uh, from there I got picked up by Simon and & Schuster and Zane and had a national bestseller, made the New York bestseller list with a book called Perfect Circle, followed it up with a book that everyone really loved but I'm going to hold that title out for right now. Moving on, I just released a new title, Journey to Love, a wonderful, wonderful book. And I'm hoping that you will find me at my website, www.alvinhorn.com. You can find me, of course, on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter, and all those things. Just use my name, Alvin Horn, and you can find me. You can do that famous thing now. Google me, and you'll find pages. here on location at Hiawatha Art Space with Miss Latanya Horace, also known as Sister Love. Sister Love, can you please give a shout out to our podcast listeners? Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Blessings and peace. So Sister Love has been cast for the role of Ella Fitzgerald in the upcoming production of Jazzy Blues, All of Us. So I'd like to ask a few questions. The first thing I'm going to ask Sister Love is if she's had an opportunity to read the script in its entirety and also what she thought of the script and her character. We'll also find out how familiar she is with Ella Fitzgerald in particular and also what way she is connected with this wonderful community. Latanya, have you had an opportunity to read the script in its entirety? Well, mentioned this project a while ago. Mm -hmm. it, it, I, I mean, a while ago, like you were doing it, and I want you, I want you to think about. It. And I was like, okay, okay. So to me, it's just it's happening now. You, yeah. you got it all together. You put everything, all your energy into it the way you want to see it happen. So I was like, when you called, and I was like, yes, this is it's finally here, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. I of course will read um, the entire play from front to back because I think it's important to understand the full story but I know where your heart is at in this okay. and so to me that's like one of the most important things. Do you actually know about Ella Fitzgerald? Like do you have her backstory, her struggles and all of that or do you just know her from the music? Um, I have some understanding of her history as a um, black female artist uh, during the era in which she was or her in her heyday, um, as well as a lot of you know other sisters during that time that were um, as 
out here as well doing great work around the country doing a very you know that time in, in history for black folks period in this country let alone black women it was a very uh, dangerous perilous time yes it and was so just to see you know so many of them go through knowing the history period mm -hmm. that a lot of our um, black artists went through male and female it's really powerful stories you know very poignant stories of brilliance and some of it short-lived and all kind of other different things that they encounter but um yeah i know she comes from a very very important time in history um i know that she was one of a kind um her scatting just um is something that is you know I don't know anybody that can get down like she got That's down. true. I, I just don't, don't today. But I know some, there's some sisters that can just, you know, that are out here that are fabulous. Right. But she just had, you know, it was just something just very, like, she sounded like a, a horn. She yeah, just, she did. Or, or whatever. She yeah, just she sounded did. like an instrument. Her voice could really emulate that. Well, a big sound, a really big sound. Big sound, you're right. So, Speaking of powerful black women, because she truly was, she was also an activist in her own right as well. Mm. Um, I remember hearing a story, in fact, of Ella being arrested in her dressing room with some of her band members for shooting craps. Mm. And when they got her down to the station, they wanted autographs before <laughs> they locked her up. So yeah, she went through a whole lot. She broke a lot of barriers for us too. Mm -hmm. So. Again, speaking of powerful women, I would like my audience members to know that Latanya Horace is a very powerful woman. Can you talk to us about the Silent Task Force? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for um, asking. Uh, we are a small but mighty uh, indigenous African-American uh, women-led organization. Of course, we love our brothers because they're our brothers. Right. You know, but we are led by um, black women and we... Um, seek to provide support services and resources to the community on whatever level it is and whichever what level we can you know facilitate okay um the you know for the entire king county we understand our communities you know are not where our communities have traditionally been folks have been displaced marginalized and uh, priced out you know and there's so many of our families and community members who are homeless now mm -hmm. not to mention you know the mental health that's going on not to mention the trauma that's going on not to mention the at you know youth that are you know traumatized and at risk mm -hmm. um having food access and food security you know mm -hmm. um access to good health care you know and and housing okay and jobs and so we work um on all kind of levels to help folks with eviction prevention um we're not a monolith at all or an organization with a lot of money, but what we got and what we get goes directly to the community. We don't play. That's beautiful. You know, we get any type of resources or opportunity to get resources. It goes directly into our communities, whether it's a disaster preparedness kit, whether it's a hygiene kit, whether it's a COVID kit, whether it is um, food, okay. whether it is helping someone not get to prevent getting their lights cut off. Maybe it's a hotel stay. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe it's mentoring groups, which we do provide for the community, working directly with families to help them secure housing and other resources. Okay. Um, domestic violence support, you know, mm -hmm. providing resources around that. Um, 
Yeah, I, we just, you know, we're just here to support our community in the best way we know how, you know, with okay. the little resources we got. Um, we do have a donations page, a button. Uh, tell us about it. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. We just got that joint. So I'm like, people have been asking for a while, can we donate? And I'm yeah, like, where uh, do we donate at? Okay, so this is how it goes. www.thesilenttaskforce.org, one word. Silent Task, the Silent Task Force, one word, dot org. Um, and then it'll take you to the main page, and there's a donation button. All right. And so you can donate, and all donations go directly to serving the needs of our community. So um, please know that. Okay. So if you want to be a part of the power, go to that website. speaking about the power of this beautiful woman, I'd like to talk to her about um, artistic activities at this point. It's not how we met. However, I was asked to be a part of this particular activity I want to speak to her about before it really got started, before it got to its so-called home location. Um, we're talking about Sisters Rock the Arts. Can you talk to us about that? Oh, yeah. Hey, that's, that's the artist community. That's the artist, you know, movement. And that's Black-led, too, by women. But, of course, our brothers are right there leading with us. Um, Sisters Rock, we started it in fifth, uh, May 15, 2015. Okay. Um, with, at the Nose, we were called and asked to put together something. Okay. And Infinity, Nichelle Alderson, and myself um, got together, thought about what would we do? Well, how could we do this? And it was like, how, it's about bringing community together, but it's also about giving black women a platform mm -hmm. because we um, have not always had a platform that welcomed us. That's true. In the way that we need to be welcomed and represented and, and, rep and reflected. So we always know that we are, it's like the most disrespected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> unprotected mm -hmm. woman on the planet, even by our own. But we just turn that all around into love because we can show you better than we can tell you. So, um, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. So we um, built, went about with the communities, period. It would not have happened because it was all designed for community. Okay. And the support of the community and artists that, you know, understand the language I just used, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> about mm -hmm. what it's like for us in this very white city. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And um, black folks not having places and spaces of our own to congregate. It's always, unless it's at a funeral or a church. You know, mm -hmm. that's not okay. Right. So uh, anyway, we put it together. And think, I can honestly say Miss Flows is one of our hosts. Huh? I want her to know that sometimes, you know, in the midst of honoring people's spaces and mm -hmm. places in mm -hmm. things that we do, we, they, you know, they're in and out. Things happen. Right. You know, and things will always go as planned. But we always honor each other. That's right. That's what it's all. That's what it's all about. That part, you know. So, because you know, it's just what it is. But uh, we love our our sister, all our sisters and brothers. And so um, we're coming back. We got a new home. I okay. can't necessarily say where right now. But we're all excited to find out where it's going to be. Somewhere you know. <laughs> okay. 
and it will be in Seattle. I'm it like, will okay. be in Seattle because right. we. Why we? I mean, gotta I gotta keep building the Seattle community. We Got gotta to. stay here somewhere, somehow. You mm -hmm. know, you can't just push us in our music and everything about us. All the carbon footprint of us just out of the city. Exactly. You get to do that precisely. So um, we gonna we gonna find us some way to stay in the city doing what we do. All right. But there's so many other things that we can do collectively in this space together. So we want to open it up so that more people can participate and bring their ideas to the table and grow it so that it truly becomes a, a project of or a, a platform for the community. Okay. So it's owned by that. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm just, we started it, but community owns this and they make it happen. Okay. So that's what we want to see ultimately happen. We're going to talk about how you're connected with the community theater uh, arena and how long you've been involved in community theater. If you'd like to throw a couple of titles in there, great. If not, that's okay. I'm happy with you just being in as it goes on to my soul, but this isn't just for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have an extensive history okay. at all in the um, theaters and um, my 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 participation has normally been through you know music working with different bands and okay. writing and things of that nature and performing all over but um, and now putting others on you know what I'm right, saying right right but um, I have um, done a couple of plays I've done Dark Divas Miss Khabibi Monet and Miss Demeans play I've done that about three four times okay and even her I did her, uh, the one that she does for uh, the holidays. Home is where the heart is, or Christmas is all up in the soul. Uh, one of the, one of the, over here at this <laughs> building off of Jackson, yes. we did that. And then um, I did a play with Chris Hopper, too, uh, called I Am Jefferson. So, um, And aren't you in an uh, upcoming production for yeah. Chris Hopper? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm supposed was, to be a spoken word artist in it. That's the only reason I know. Yeah, I saw you somewhere in there. I was like, oh, so of, course, of course she's in this play, right? And, um, so, yeah, that's right. Thank you for that reminder. So, um, yeah, there's a, um, there's some things going on. I mean, I, I just love being in community. There's always opportunities to express oneself. Absolutely. So I'm all about that expression. All right. Okay. This has been a conversation with Latanya Horace and Ms. Flores. We thank you for listening. Tune into the podcast to hear her doing her thing. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed reading it. it okay. Yeah, I learned a lot. 
So I want to know first, what piqued your interest about the script? And then second, what is it about your character that you like? Well, what piqued my interest is because I love music. I love jazz, blues, any style of music. And um, as a singer, writer, performer, um, just this story itself, learning about all these artists and so many of them mm -hmm. who have influenced music and culture in our country and around the world. I mean, how can I not want to be a part of it? And plus the lovely writing. Thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love receiving compliments. <laughs> but I really like that uh, so far every character that I have cast actually is motivated by the story, but really gravitates toward their character. I heard your voice for Side Note, which is why I was interested. By the way, listeners, Mary Ann was the last person to be cast for this production. So it's, it's pretty amazing to have her here. She's a star in her own right, and we'll get to that later on in the interview. But tell us what you liked uh, most about Side Note. What made that character resonate with you? Oh man, the history part. I'm, I'm a history lover, and especially the history of our people, uh, black folks, uh, African Americans, Africans around the world, diaspora, we don't hear our stories enough. So having a chance to read and learn the backgrounds of all the performers that are presented in um, the play and Jazzy Blues is just like, I love it. And then be able to play a character that shares with the audience and listeners about these characters in a historical kind of context, but who's also kind of fun. Right. Yeah, it kind of spoke to me. So side notes, like our jazzy little librarian, so to speak, the historian of the group. And she kind of like uh, brings focus into what you're actually seeing on the stage. So if you're 15 and you never heard of Ella Fitzgerald, Listening to Side Note will kind of clue you in on who Ella was, what she did. Side Note also gives a little background on these people. She doesn't just give you history, but a little background on them, like who they were in their private life that wasn't on the stage. Yeah. So I felt that that was uh, a piece that was missing when I wrote the original script. Side Note was not a character. Mm. So when I included Side Note, it was basically to provide the historical facts in the script. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you did. I, and we're happy to have I'm you. I'm glad to be a, a part of this um, this production, this this journey with you as an artist, as a creator of new work, which is so important as a vocalist, as all the things you do. I'm, I'm really excited to play this side note of a part. I'm honored to have So can you tell my listeners who are familiar with who you are, where you're from, and how you came to be a so-called Seattleite? Ah, well, I'm originally a Michigander. Okay. Hey, all you Michigan people, uh, Lansing, uh, Detroit, then moved to Seattle, and when I was 18, got out of here as quickly as I could. Because <laughs> um, it wasn't happening, nothing was happening. I was 18 and uh, went to uh, university in Los Angeles, lived there for a while, studied overseas in Japan, and studied in, in the UK. So part of my background is um, politics and yeah, history and how that impacts people. But I've always done art, okay. sang and danced and, 
and acted and voiceover whenever I can. And so now I'm the executive director of a small arts organization called The Mahogany Project. And we focus on um, collaborating with uh, artists from the African diaspora on any work they're doing. We're very small. Um, <laughs> but we, um, and, and, you know, kind of thinking outside of the box of, um, of the artists that we work with, trying to spotlight them and give them a, a voice and a place to share their stories. We've been, Mahogany Project's been around since 2006 and I joined in 2015. So I do that work. I also you know, audition for plays and film and commercials and, <laughs> you know, the usual stuff when you're an actor. And then also I'm a writer, okay. was part of the African American Writers Alliance. Shout out to AAWA. That's right. And that's how I met uh, Miss Flows through AWA as Miss Flows. Originally, yes. Yeah, originally, but we've seen each other here and there. And uh, we worked on Sharon Nairobi Williams' uh, yeah. uh, piece for Freedom. Where we were all asked to express freedom just using the word freedom, whether we sang it, said it, or however right. it was done. That's right. And you came with a different dialect and blew us all away. So, yeah, that was the memorable moment yeah, of our meeting. Yeah. That's true. That was a great day. So, tell me, like, what productions might someone have seen that you were a part of? Mm, well, I do. That's a good question. I think um, being back in Seattle and trying to get into the art scene was a little hard for me. Okay. Um, and so um, one, but eventually through Mahogany Project, through working with the Central District Forum for Arts and Ideas, yeah, I'm dropping some names. So Please do. So y'all can check out all these great black arts organizations. Um, I was able to start meeting people. And one of the works that maybe people have seen me in, if you're into theater in the park, um, in the past few summers pre-COVID, I was doing outdoor trek. And we did oh. Star Trek and Star Wars in wow. the park. So I played Obi-Wan Kenobi. What? I love sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wow. was fun. I played... Um, Khan Nooney and Singh, which was an old Star Trek episode, a classic with Ricardo Montalban. I okay. played that lead role. So that was really fun, doing theater in the park. I've done a show with copious love productions in the past. And also um, Book It, um, have done traveling shows for youth theater, okay. if you will, you know, bringing stories to okay. um, audiences, youth audiences throughout the state. I haven't done a lot, a lot of theater work, um, try to do a show every year, because okay. I'm also focusing on so many other things. And I'm a caregiver, Okay. so you know, that takes time and it's been very rewarding and difficult. And I'm a, I'm a, a wife, a grandmother, a daughter, and all of that stuff. So I'm just, um, I think if they see me, they might've seen me also with productions in the Mahogany Project. Okay. recently got a grant from the city of Seattle to the very exciting and I'll be working with Chino Gonzalez of Bonnet Black. Chino's an amazing um, musician, composer, artist, human being okay. and we're going to work together to put a show up at the Seattle Center that will incorporate um, you know music and dance but also a story and also hopefully still in the works youth 
in um, who do circus arts, especially kids of color. Okay. So we're going to do a full show. That will be summer of 2022. I'm going to be shooting a film Whoa. later this year. So more information to come about that. I'm going to be, and then also doing voiceover for a number of projects. Um, and yeah, you can check it out at www.mahoganyproject.org. You know, I just, well, I just want to thank you again, Ms. Flows. Um, your writing is really amazing, and I love that you've kind of combined different elements of your writing styles into this. And um, it encourages me because you're getting, I'm not going to swear, people who know me know I don't swear a lot anyways, but you're getting, you know what, done, right? Yeah. And a lot of us, so you inspire me because I'm working on a book. Okay. A novel, historic, a historical uh, a children's novel for middle grade readers, and I've been working on it for a while. Okay. And it's like you know I'm on the editing phase, and then you kind of get it out there. It's a it's a it's a journey. It's a uh, you know what did they call it? Something of love burden. I don't want to say it's not a burden at all because it's about my mother um, and her life okay. visiting the segregated South and all of this stuff. But you know what you show me is just you got to get the stuff done and yes. you had this vision and you went for it and you're completing it and it's going to be out there to the world and this is a piece of that with the conversations we're having and yes you know it's just part of the big picture and i just want to say you encourage me to get my you know what done Thank but you. also um to continue to look forward to whatever you're going to do next so okay. thank you for having this opportunity to to talk with you today. Sure, to everybody out there, keep on doing what you're doing, writing, creating, because you know, you gotta, as we say, how many project tell your stories or someone else's, because if you don't do it, no one will know.